He's done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. I cannot tell it all. I cannot tell it all. He's done so much for me. I cannot tell it all. He's taken my sins away. And when I think of the goodness of Jesus, and all He has done for me, yes, my soul cries out, Hallelujah! Praise God for saving me. Oh, Jesus, I'll never forget what You've done for me. Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. Jesus, I'll never forget how you brought me out. Jesus, I'll never forget, no, never. He's done so much for me, I cannot tell it all. I cannot tell it all. I cannot tell it all. He's done so much for me, I cannot tell it all. He's taken my sins away. mindful of his people and his word is true so tonight we want to pray remember all the church family ask God to protect us from this virus and all the things going around but we know God is a miracle worker and let's invite him to have his way in this service thank you Lord thank you God you see every need and every position God you see every need Lord you more than able Standing on your promises, God. Standing on your promises, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for being our help. Thank you for being our answer. Thank you for being a miracle-working God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Glory, 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 glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. You may be seated. The brothers set the offering pans on the altar, and then let's come and bring our offering if you would. Glory. Amen.
coming at this time. Brother Luke, bless him. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. How many is glad to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Amen. I was glad when they said unto me, let us come into the house of the Lord. It's a good place to be. I'm glad I'm able to be in church tonight. Amen. I'm thankful that I know who Jesus is. Glad that I've been baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins. I'm excited about being on my way to heaven tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Good to see everyone that is here tonight. Lord bless you for this first service of Wednesday night. And uh, this is quite different, I know, for everybody. It's quite different for us, too. And uh, so we just have to cross these rivers as they keep uh, showing themselves. And uh, But I do appreciate you being faithful to the house of the Lord and uh, showing your love for God. I know it's a difficult time, and I know some people are scared to get out. That's all, that's all good. There's no problem with that. But um, I'm, I'm glad that I'm able to be in the house. Of, I don't know what people do without church. Man, it's just... Uh, Life wouldn't be worth living if you didn't go to church. And I'm glad I'm able to be in the house of God tonight. We want to pray for those who are suffering from sickness and um, across our community and then in our state and then the United States, but not only here, but across the world. And I pray, I pray every day, and I hope that you are praying with us. You can be seated for a few moments that you would pray with us that the Lord would stop this and everything could get back to normal and uh, help everything to get back on track like it should be. I like life when it's peaceful a whole lot better than I like life in the midst of chaos. But I know this, that God, that is God in the midst of peace. He's also the God in the midst of chaos. And I'm thankful that we have a God that's just a God all the time. And he's always concerned and caring about his people. And I do love the Lord tonight. And we want to pray that God would help us all and uh, protect all of us from the virus. We might, you know, I, I, there's no one that is immune to it. And if you don't go to Walmart, does not mean that you're not going to get it. And if you don't go to church, does it mean that you're not going to get it. 
And if you do go to Walmart, it doesn't mean that you're going to get it. And if you do go to church, it doesn't mean that you're going to get it. But it's just some things that's, that's with life. And we may not all understand it all the time, but God is still the one that is ultimately in control. And so we pray for God's hand of protection over everyone and uh, keep us safe and sound and, and help us through this situation, which I know that he will. We want to pray for Brother John East and his family tonight and um, ask the Lord to touch and strengthen them. Brother John's uh, grandpa on his mother's side passed away a couple of weeks ago. And uh, just this morning, his, um, his grandmother on his dad's side passed away. And uh, we all know that this is a terrible time to uh, pass away. So if any of you are planning on dying... Don't do it right now because there won't be many people at your funeral. And uh, so it wouldn't be a good time to do it. And uh, I know uh, I know uh, Claudia and Randy back there praying that people die. But anyway, <laughs> but they would prefer you wait till when, when we can have a big funeral because people buy more flowers. And so they want you to wait until then anyway. Uh, so uh, let's pray for them and ask God to help them and, and touch them. And, and it's under such terrible circumstances of them regulating who can come to the funeral. And it's crazy. Some of them's got to stand outside while some of them view the body. And some of them's got to go in. Those have got to come. It's just a crazy. It's crazy. The world is all mixed up and in a crazy situation. But God is still God and in control. And I want to ask you to do this. There has been a group that is trying to form apostolics together. I got a message yesterday evening and going to call for prayer from apostolics, oneness apostolics. I guess that's the only way you can be apostolic, really, is to be oneness. But the oneness movement all over the world is gathering together, you know, in prayer, gathering together in prayer all over the world at it will be 11 o'clock our time uh, here Saturday. So I ask you if you would re- remember, and I will be sending out group texts for this again to remind you at 11 o'clock Saturday uh, morning, be in prayer, and uh, there'll be thousands and thousands across this country and just in different parts of the world that will be praying that God's um, mercy and God's healing power would take control and God would help us over this. Prayer is what works. And prayer prayer is what will do it, church. And uh, God is what we need during this time. I'm glad to have Brother and Sister Smith here with us. Brother Smith will be preaching this service, uh, giving me a break for a few moments, and I'll be preaching a little bit later. And I'm glad that they're here. And uh, Sunday when he got up and started talking, I said, well, I didn't know he was planning on leaving, but it sounded like he was planning on leaving. And uh, so I'm glad we got all that worked out. They could just stay here from now on. But I do appreciate them very much. Love these people. These are these are true Christian people. And I love and appreciate them very much. And, and uh, love the singing, my sister Smith and... The piano playing, and I'm not sure how much of it I hear, but I get a joy out of watching Brother Smith anyway. 
but uh, the piano playing and the wonderful preaching of God's Word. And, uh, you know, of course, this divided up. We don't have too many people in each service, so it makes it a little different. And uh, But I tell you what, Sunday, I believe Brother, Brother Smith preached as good as I've ever heard him preach. And I do appreciate that very much. And uh, they are a help and a strength to me just having them here. And especially at this time, it's a very, uh, it's a, 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 I guess, just a stabilizing force. And uh, I've said this before, I count it an honor and a privilege to have Brother Duplessy here. And uh, just, uh, just a comfort and just a stable force in my life. And uh, then Brother and Sister Smith has just been a great highlight of meeting them in my life. And I do appreciate and love them very much. We want Brother Smith to come. Let's all stand. And uh, I told I told you uh, Sunday, some of you might not have been here. Now, there's not a lot here, so we got to take up the slack. That means everybody's got to say amen, and everybody's got to clap their hand, or everybody's got to shake their fist at the devil, and uh, shaking an amen to God. And let's have church tonight. How many come to receive something from the Lord? Praise God. Praise God. And we would love we would love for Sister Smith to sing tonight if you can talk her into it, Brother Smith. Go ahead. Amen. Come on up here, Sister Smith. How about Jesus? My hope is in you. Uh, you can be seated. What a privilege to be here. And I don't say those words lightly. Uh, when Pastor spoke Sunday night, you know, he has a voice of authority. And... Uh, so here we are, and we're glad to be where God wants us to be. I'm happy if I can be a help in any way, and we love Brother and Sister Looper and their family and this First Pentecostal Church family in Silsby. It's always a privilege to come, and uh, these are very challenging times, but to be connected to the God who reigns from the heavens, makes all the difference. He will have the final say in my life, in your life, in our world. Amen. My, uh, my son calls every day, pastors, of course, in Dayton, Ohio, calls every day, sometimes more than once a day. I think just to, to hear my voice, uh, I hope it brings some... Uh, encouragement. Uh, night before last, it was getting very late. I got a telephone call from Ethiopia. Brother Tamiskan called just to say, uh, Elder, I just wanted to talk to you. Just wanted to hear your voice. And uh, today I was working over in the evangelistic quarters and Bishop Almanard from Haiti and the Dominican called Oh, he said, Dr. Smith, I just had to hear your voice. You know, it's a privilege to be connected to the people of God. Uh, there ought to be a faith. There ought to be uh, a strength emanating from every one of us that when we meet people, they feel uplifted, that they feel encouraged, that they feel strengthened. Amen. We are the people of God. And... Uh, I know by myself I'm nothing, but I know that God is everything. 
I've served him down through these years. I've trusted him in the good times and the difficult times. I find no fault with him. I find no failure in him. I know that God can do the impossible. I know that God wants to perform the miraculous. And I know that he has his eye on his people. Even in the midst of the storm that we face right now, His eye is on every one of you. His eye is on me. His eye is on His people all over this world. So take time to pray. Take time to talk to Him. Take time to seek His face and to call on His name and to let Him know, I'm dependent on You, Lord. I need You more than I need this breath that I breathe. Amen. Thanks be to God for His excellent greatness. Well, worship the Lord with Sister Smith as she will sing tonight. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I urge you to pray for your pastor and his family. The Apostle Paul, in his writings, kept urging the people, pray for us. So that's what we need to do and pray for one another. I am not ashamed to say that I'm needing Jesus more every day. And I am believing His promise is true. Oh, Jesus, my hope is in you, Jesus, my hope is in you, Jesus, my hope that way tonight.
Jesus. My hope is in you. Burdened, discouraged, and feeling alone, a beggar, an outcast, a man with no home. But in one special moment, my life became new. Jesus, my hope is in you. If you know it, raise your hands and sing it with me. Stand up and sing it. Oh, Jesus, my hope is in you. My hope is in you. Nobody else can carry me through. Jesus, my hope is in you. it is. Yes, it is. Every day our hope is in the Lord. We have a hope. We have an anchor. We have a God. Oh, thank God for victory in my soul tonight. Amen, amen, amen. Don't let the storms of life steal your victory. There's victory in Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I, all four of our children have called today. Uh, I've mentioned this before. We have a son who is away from the Lord. A wonderful young man. A, man, a young man that has had such a touch of God on his life and Holy Ghost anointing can bring heaven down to earth when he's in the Spirit. But he's away from God, but he called today. Was talking with his mother. Wasn't long till I heard my wife start to cry. She said, Marcus, you got to be ready to meet the Lord. He said, I know, Mother. I know. You know, 
God can bring good out of what seems to be so bad. There's nothing more valuable than a soul. Keep your soul right with God. Keep your heart in tune with Jesus. Don't let things get in the way that sidetrack you. Disappointments, problems of life, things that can build walls and hedges between you and God and God's people, don't let it happen. Just make up your mind, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to please the Lord. I'm going to do whatever I've got to do to empty out myself every day and be ready to meet the Lord when the trumpet sounds. Amen. I want to preface preference my teaching tonight, and I will be teaching. I, I, uh, this is Bible study night, midweek service, and I hope I can bring some words of encouragement to uh, everybody that's in this meeting. I'll be a little slower paced than I typically would be when I'm uh, running with the horsemen and when I'm preaching full steam ahead. Uh, if you think my voice is hoarse, uh, I am very allergic to dust. And so uh, here I am, a missionary, traveling to all the dusty areas of the world. And I'm extremely allergic to pollen. And uh, so there's a lot of drainage I'm not comfortable with, and it affects my throat. So if you think it's raspy, fear not. Uh, I'm just uh, explaining to you what the circumstances are. And I thought I would come in here and just be quiet till it was time for me to teach, Brother Cooper. But, you know, we get to singing those songs like we sing, and I can't shut up. I just have to open my mouth and let it come out. Amen. And so here we are, and I'll leave the rest up to the Lord. I can stop anywhere I need to stop. This is teaching. That's a good thing about teaching. You can stop in the middle of a, of a point and pick it up the next time you come back. Amen. So let me preference the teaching tonight by highlighting just a few passages of Scripture. First, in the book of Isaiah, uh, chapter 59. Isaiah chapter 59, verse number 1. Now, you can remain seated because I'm going to use uh, quite a few scriptures in my teaching. Now, you can stand up if you want to, too. You can stand through all the teaching. It won't bother me. I've been in services. I've stood the whole time. So, whatever makes you comfortable, I'm a happy, I'm a happy teacher tonight. Isaiah chapter 59, verse number 1, we hear the prophet say, and I'm paraphrasing, Behold, the Lord's hand is not too weak to save us. Neither is his ear closed that he cannot hear. Isn't that wonderful? Doesn't that make you feel good? That makes me just feel so strengthened when I hear those words. His hand isn't too weak to save us, and his ear isn't closed that he cannot hear us. Again, from chapter 40, same prophecy of Isaiah. Isaiah 40, verse number 28. Uh, the man of God is asking some questions here. And uh, this is how he begins in verse 28. Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not? Neither is he weary. Don't you know that, he said? 
Don't you understand who He is? He's the everlasting God. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. And He doesn't faint and He doesn't get weary. Oh, I'm glad I'm connected to Him tonight. I'm glad my eyes are looking in His direction. In verse 29, the man of God said, Speaking of Jehovah God, He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, He increases strength. While youth faint and are weary, and young men utterly fall. Verse 31, Yet they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk. And not faint. Oh, it makes me want to wait upon the Lord. It makes me want to be looking in His direction regardless of what the circumstances of the day or the week or the year may be. Because they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Amen. Let us also consider the 13th chapter of the Hebrew Epistle. Hebrews chapter 13, that emphatically states in verse 8, Jesus Christ the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Now, I've quoted that for as long as I can remember. Uh, from, from the time I was a boy, uh, that was a scripture I memorized and, and quoted it again and again. Through my youth, through my young married life, through the years of raising our children, and now that I'm getting older, I'm still quoting Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is. And that gives me great encouragement just to quote those words again and again and to be in contact and in connection with an unfailing God. Finally, I want to reference words of Jesus Himself. I, I use this verse on Sunday evening. I'm back to it again tonight from the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 11, beginning at verse 22, where we hear Jesus say, Have faith in God. Oh, have faith in God. God, for verily, this is verse 23, verily I say unto you, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea with no doubt in his heart, shall have whatever he saith. Verse 24, therefore Jesus said, I say unto you, when you pray, believe. When you pray, Believe that you'll receive and you'll have it. That's a very simple command from the Lord. Sometimes harder to do than to say. But Jesus told us, when we pray, believe that you'll receive and you'll have it. My subject this evening, or teaching, is... Simply this, keys to receiving answers from God. 
There are some keys that all of us have access to that will help us to receive answers from God. Thank you, Lord, for the atmosphere of your presence. Thank you tonight for the privilege that we have of putting our eyes upon you. Thank you for being our steadfast hope. Thank you for being our answer to every circumstance, problem, and trouble of life. I believe that you would meet us now as we are looking into your word, that you would illuminate our eyes, our hearts with understanding that the work of the Lord would be increased within us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Psalm 135 and verse number 5. The psalmist declared, I know that the Lord is great. And that he is above all gods. Now, we're privileged tonight to know there is but one true and living God. But there are people throughout the world who bow down to many different gods. There are people who serve various gods, some of them hundreds, thousands of gods. And, you know, they... they they will cry out to these gods for help and answers. They pray to gods that have no ears to hear them. Oh, they may have ears, but they don't hear. They pray to gods who have mouths that cannot speak, hands that cannot touch. Amen. But the Bible said, I know that the Lord is great. That's speaking of Jehovah. He is great. And he is above all gods. Therefore, the very first key that I want to address or mention in the teaching tonight is this. We should always look beyond the size of problems and consider the greatness of our God. Now, problems are common to all of us. Uh, right now, we're all facing a very uh, common problem. I say common. It's common. It's the same for all of us. However, in most cases, uh, what you face is not always what I face and vice versa. However, we should always look beyond the size of whatever the problem is. And consider the greatness of our God. Because the psalmist said, our God is great. And he is above all gods. For example, there's certainly a reason why Abraham of Old Testament Scripture is called father of the faithful. There's a reason for that. From the book of Romans, chapter 4, beginning at verse number 18, we read this, and we're reading about Abraham. It says, against hope, he believed in hope. Against hope. In other words, when there didn't look like there was any hope. He believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. And being not weak in faith, Abraham considered not his own body to be dead when he was about a hundred years old. 
Neither yet did he consider the deadness of Sarah's womb. She was beyond the age of childbearing. Verse number 20 tells us that he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Now, that challenges me today. That challenges me for where we're at right now. Regardless of the gloom and the doom, regardless of all of the unpleasantries and all the restrictions and all that we're facing at the moment because of this virus pandemic, yet when we read of Abraham who was facing things that just looked to be impossible, yet he was not weak in faith. He believed in hope. And the Bible said he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. If ever the world ought to see a light, they ought to see it in the church right now. They need to see the light of God shining through you and through me. Or if we pick up a telephone and we speak to somebody, they ought to feel that light of God that is shining and the hope and the faith that's in our voice and in our hearts. Amen. As a matter of fact, as we continue to read about Abraham in verse 21, it says he was fully persuaded that God, that what God had promised, he was able also to perform, fully persuaded. That's when we get beyond the size of our problems and consider the greatness of our God. When we can look beyond what seems to be formidable, what seems to be higher than the mountains, deeper than the valleys, what seems to be impossible scenarios, and yet when God has promised, then our God is a great God, and He is able to do the impossible just as well as He can do what seems to be so easy. Amen. Oh, yes. Father Abraham, as I would call him, clearly shows us just how effective the use of this key that I'm talking about here was for Abraham, how effective it was then, and how effective it will be right now. Amen. Our God does not change. I've already quoted from the Scripture, Jesus Christ the same, yesterday, today, and forever. And so there was the deadness of Abraham's body. There was, you know, I say the deadness. He's a hundred years old. He's going to sire a child. There was the deadness of Sarah's womb. She was past childbearing. Is she going to have a child now? But Abraham, it says, staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. He was fully persuaded this key, looking beyond the size of the problem to the greatness of God, is still a key that will help you and it will help me to receive answers from God. Amen. 
I know what I'm talking about. It's happened in my lifetime after time, over and over again. Whenever David of the Old Testament faced major challenges throughout his young life, he wasn't blinded merely by a lion. He wasn't blinded merely by a bear. He wasn't blinded even by Goliath who was a giant who was defying the armies of Israel. Rather, in every instance, David saw beyond formidable foes by recognizing the greatness of his God. Amen. What's a lion, he said? I've got a God. What's a bear? I've got a God. And what's this uncircumcised Philistine who is issuing such words of guile against the people of God? We have a God. I've come to tell somebody tonight we still have a God. And it's a key. This key of looking beyond the size of our problem to the greatness of our God is a wonderful key that the people of God need to use regularly to receive answers from God. My, you're making me preach. I thought I was going to teach, but you're making me preach. I feel it in my bones tonight. I feel it down in my soul tonight. There's something inside of me. And I can't be quiet. We've got a great God. Amen. We notice in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 44 and 45, that as Goliath roared, bellowed out against the armies of Israel, even as he mocked David, who was but a youth, David merely expressed great confidence in the Lord his God. You know, there was not a soldier in the army of Israel that was willing to go out on the battlefield and face Goliath. There was not one that would say, Here am I, send me. In fact, King Saul himself had an armor, but I don't think he was going to wear it to go face Goliath. He was willing to put it on David when David said, I'll go fight him. But when David got that armor on, he wasn't comfortable. You know... He might not have been comfortable with the size of Goliath and the the big mouth of Goliath out there across the valley. But he sure wasn't comfortable with that awkward armor of King Saul that he had never tried, he'd never proven. He was very comfortable with the greatness of his God. He was very comfortable that God was able to deliver an uncircumcised Philistine into his hand just as easily as he delivered a bear or a lion into the hands of young David. And so David is expressing great confidence in the Lord his God. Look at verse 45 of 1 Samuel chapter 17. He, when that he responded back to Goliath. Goliath is mocking the lad. 
Goliath is bellowing. Goliath is telling him, oh, I'm going to break you apart. I'm going to feed your flesh to the fowls of the air. And David responds by saying, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a shield. But he said, I come to you in the name of the Lord God of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. That's who I come to you with. You got a spear in your hand. Yeah, you got a sword. You got a shield. But I got a God. And my God is going to take care of me. I come against you in the name of the Lord God of hosts. Now, maybe you think that David was so abnormal that he didn't feel some of the same flutters that we feel. But I have a feeling that David realized this is a mean devil. David understood that this man has been defying all the armies of God. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. He might, if you'd have been right up close, you might have seen his fingers shake just a little bit. I don't know. I can only tell you there are times my fingers have shaken. And there are times my inside have quivered. Even when I was looking at the greatness of my God. Amen. But I will tell you this. David did not retreat. While Goliath is bellowing, while Goliath is defying the God of Israel, while Goliath is saying, give me a man. Why are you sending me this little boy, this lad, this youth? While he's going through his tantrum, if you will, David just keeps on walking. He just keeps on walking across that divide, across that valley, stopping somewhere by the brook. He picks up five smooth stones. He puts them in his pouch, and he keeps on walking. He's walking in the name of the Lord his God. He's going against the giant in the name of the God of Israel. And he had confidence. I know what my God can do. Why, if He'd give me my lambs back out of the mouth of a lion, if He'd give me a lamb back out of the mouth of the bear, then He'll give us victory today out of the hand of Goliath. Yeah, it worked. It worked for David. It worked for Abraham. And I've come to tell somebody tonight, it still works. It's a key that still works. We have to get beyond the size of our problems to consider the greatness of our God. An unfailing God. I've been raised in this. From the time I was old enough to remember anything, my parents carried me as a baby in arms to an old-fashioned Pentecostal church. This is all I've known all the years of my life. But I've come to declare tonight, I still believe that God is as big as He's ever been. That He's as real as He ever was. That
that He's still able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Keep that Holy Ghost working inside of you. Keep faith stirred up in your heart. Yes. Amen. In the very same manner, according to one of the Scriptures that I highlighted at the outset of my message tonight, the Lord Himself instructed His disciples and us to have faith in God. Have faith in God. Rather than focusing on mountains that seem to be impassable, can't get over them, can't get through them, don't know how we're going to get to where we need to go because there's a mountain in the way. But instead of focusing on impassable mountains, we should ever consider the greatness of our God. Amen. He's a great God. He's above all gods. Amen. He's above all gods. His ear is still open to hear and His arm is not shortened that He cannot save. As the children of Israel made the famous exodus from the land of Egypt, they discovered that their God was more powerful than Pharaoh. Pharaoh was the ruler of Egypt. And the children of Israel discovered as they were now on the exodus out of the land of Egypt, they soon got to discover that their God was more powerful than the Pharaoh of Egypt. In fact, Jehovah God was stronger than the armies of Egypt. And Jehovah God could even conquer the waters of the Red Sea. That, that's, that's pretty phenomenal. You know, they're on their way now to the promised land. But they didn't get too far. And they're now at the Red Sea. And there are mountains on either side of them. Where are they going to go? It's impassable. And coming from behind them now, they've discovered the armies of Egypt are coming to overtake them on their exodus. But they're in a trap, it looks like, because the water is before the mountain. And the enemy is coming from behind. But I've come to declare tonight that Jehovah God proved to His people that He was stronger than the armies of Egypt. And He was stronger than the waters of the Red Sea. Truly their God was far greater than any obstacle they were facing at the moment or any time in the future of their lives. I wish they would have understood that long term. They certainly would have been better off if they would have. But I'm just telling you, when you get to your Red Sea, 
when you get to the place where there are impassable mountains surrounding you and it looks like the enemy is about to overtake you, remember the greatness of your God. And when you cry out to Him, cry out in faith that He's listening to the voice and the cry of His child. I want you to know He knows me by name. He knows you by name. One of us that have children, we recognize their voices. Yeah. When they call, my son doesn't have to say, hey, Dad, this is Bradley. I know it's Bradley. He may sound a lot like Marcus, but I know it's Bradley. And when Marcus calls, he doesn't have to say, hey, Dad, this is Marcus. I, you say you've got a cell phone. I don't even have to look at it. I know their voice. I know the voice of my daughters. I know the voice of my grandchildren. we got a God that knows your voice. You're His child. He recognizes your voice. And when you cry out to Him, He knows you by name. He knows everything about your circumstance and your situation. So cry, call upon Him. We've got a God that's bigger than all the adversaries we face. Praise be to God. I feel like I could swing from that chandelier right there. Like I could swing from the from the ceiling tonight. I'm telling you, I feel like I could run through a troop and I could leap over a wall because I'm in the presence of a God who is bigger than anything I've ever faced in my lifetime. That's a key to us getting answers from God. Use that key and use it often. Use it over and over again. Don't be backed into some corner by a devil or a problem or a fear. You gotta understand that your God's bigger than all of that. Now, I can't go much further because time's racing. But let me go to one more key at least. Another key that all of us need to consider is fervency. Don't forget these keys. The first one is the greatness of our God. The second key that I am considering tonight is fervency. We have to become desperate enough to press beyond every hindrance. Hindrances are a part of life. Uh, hindrances are things that... Uh, can I get a tissue from somebody, please? Amen. Hindrances are things that uh, interfere. They're obstacles to progress. By connotation... Such hindrances, thank you, such hindrances speak of shackling the feet. All right, it's just a little hindrance. The devil thinks he's going to shut my mouth over that. He's, he's wrong. Amen. Uh, 
Hindrances can be like weights that laden us down. Weights. In the fifth chapter of Mark's Gospel, we're introduced to a woman who suffered with a plaguing hemorrhage. The Bible calls it an issue of blood. She suffered with this plague for 12 long years. After spending all of her money on physicians, the Bible tells us her condition only grew worse. However, whenever she heard that uh, Jesus was coming her way. She came in the press. That's a great crowd of people. She came from behind. I don't know how she did it. I know it had to be with effort. It had to be with fervency. Because... uh, She came from behind, and the Bible said that uh, she touched his garment. She had to get by all the press. She had to get beyond all the people. She had to get behind, beyond all of those that were in her way between her and Jesus. But when she touched his garment, and I'm I'm looking at the verse of Scripture here as uh, as we have. As we're talking about the scripture in the book of Mark, chapter 5, and in verse number 29, the Bible tells us that straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she was healed. Twelve long years of a plague. A plague. It was a plaguing disorder. She was bleeding continuously, but when she touched his garment, somehow as she got through the press and got beyond everybody that was in between her and the master, she touched his garment and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. She was healed. Knowing immediately, this is verse 30, knowing immediately that virtue had gone out from him, Jesus turned to the people and he asked, Who touched me? I don't have time to go into all that. Who touched my clothes? Of course, knowing what had happened to her, according to verse number 33, the woman came with fear and trembling and she fell down before Jesus to tell him, It's me. I'm the one. I'm the one that touched you. But when she came and when she fell down before him, Jesus simply said, Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Woo! Oh, yeah. She was fervent. 
That's a key to us getting answers from God. There's got to be some fervency that you just can't take no for an answer. You just can't let hindrances get in the way. You've got to find a way to get beyond what's hindering you and whatever's roadblocking you. Because if you really want an answer from God, you've got to be fervent. For you and for me, Similar hindrances could be guilt and fear. Yeah. There are some people sitting right in this meeting tonight. And guilt is hindering you. Guilt wants to stand between you and your answer from God. Fear wants to paralyze you. It wants you to be afraid to ask because who am I? How can I ask? I don't deserve to ask. I, I, I have no reason to even think that I can come to the Lord. Come on. Somebody needs to hear the Word of the Lord tonight. If you want an answer from God, you need to use the key of fervency. Sometimes what hinders you or me could be failures of the past. And by the way, you don't even have to look around tonight. But there's not one person in this place that could not point to failures of the past. So when the enemy gets on your case to try to make you feel like the ultimate failure... You need to stop your ears and don't listen to him anymore. He has not come to help you get an answer. He has come to hinder you from getting an answer from God. It may be a spiritual setback along the journey that hinders you. Or perhaps certain cares and circumstances of life that humanly we have absolutely no idea how to really handle. And we've all been there and we all will be there. I don't know about it. I don't know how to take care of it. It seems to be bigger than I am. However, beyond the ever-changing challenges of even the coronavirus that we're facing at the moment, today's hindrance might even be the scrutiny of peers as it was in Job's case. Oh yeah, they're his friends. And they came around and they sat and they said nothing. I wish they'd have shut up the whole time. But when they opened their mouth and started to talk, they're just, they're not bringing him comfort. They're bringing him distress. They're making him feel like a failure. They're making him feel like what's the use. Even his own wife is saying, why don't you just curse God and die? But oh my, I've come to declare tonight that Job had to get beyond the scrutiny of his peers. And so we have to. You've got to get beyond the scrutiny of those that are your peers. 
You've got to get beyond rejection from those who mean so very much to you. I remember my grandfather, and I, I don't want to get sidetracked because I've got to wrap this up in just a few minutes here. But my wonderful grandfather, he was a tremendous businessman. I worked for him when I was just a boy and a young man. He taught me a lot about work ethic. He was a hardworking man, all of that. He just didn't know this apostolic way. He didn't know it, and so he couldn't understand it. Even Jesus himself said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. There are some things you'll never see about God. There are some things you'll never understand about God till you're born again. And so my grandfather was not a, a regenerated man. He was, a, he was a, 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 you know, he was religious. Uh, in his own way, but he didn't know anything uh, about this new birth experience. And so, my grandfather, here I am now in my senior year of high school. I've worked for him for years. I remember when I was 12 years old and I was buying lobsters for my grandfather. He would, he would, uh, he had uh, fishing docks and, and there were many, many lobster fishermen that would come in and they'd, they'd sell their lobsters to my grandfather and he would, uh, of course, crate them or, or uh, get ready to ship them out, and, and uh, he made good money doing that. And uh, my grandfather would have me work for him when that uh, his uh, man went on vacation in the summer months. I don't know how my grandfather ever did it. I, I don't understand it. I, I don't think I'd do it. But anyway, he'd show. I was about 12 years old. He'd show up over to the fishing docks with these wallets, so stuffed full of cash, you couldn't fold them over. I mean, I'm talking about big bills, big bills. And he would say, David, I'm locking one of these in the Coke machine. And he said, this other one you put in your pocket. And in those days, he paid cash for every lobster he bought. And so the fishermen would come in, and they'd, they'd unload their lobster. I'd weigh them on the scales, and, and uh, then I'd, I'd get their bait for them and load their boat and fuel up the, the, the vessels, and, and uh, whatever the difference was, I'd pay them out in cash. I don't know how my grandfather ever trusted me to do that, but he did. And, uh, you know, that, that's just the way it was. And, and so uh, I'm now 18 years old, and I'm, I'm ready to graduate from high school. And uh, my grandfather had heard. Now, now during my high school years, I was going to be a doctor. I was going to be an educator. I was going to be an undertaker. I mean, all these different things were, were what I was going to do. But in my senior year of high school, God got my attention and said, you're going to preach. And uh, there wasn't a preacher in my family. My father wasn't a preacher. I didn't have any family members that were preachers. I didn't inherit this, and uh, you don't have to inherit this. I'm just telling you, uh, God spoke to me and uh, changed my course. And uh, so somehow the word got out uh, pretty quickly. And I went to work one evening for my grandfather. And uh, he said, tell me, David, what are you going to do when you graduate from high school next month? He already knew. He'd already heard. I said, oh, Gramp, I'm going away to Bible college. I'm going to be a preacher. He said, a preacher? This was a grandfather that I looked up to. This was a man who was very influential in my life. 
a preacher? Why would you waste your life like that? That was what he asked me. I think he really believed he'd dissuade me. He'd turn me away from that. But oh, that was just one of the hindrances that gets in the way. And there are hindrances that are going to get in your way too. It may come from people you least expect that hindrance to come from. But hear me tonight. The list, though it's, when, though it's at absolutely endless, uh, yet if we truly need an answer from God then every one of us has to get desperate enough that we press beyond whatever hindrance gets in our way. What about your grandfather, Brother Smith? Well, my grandfather was proud of me before he died. He'd probably be even prouder today if he was still alive, but... But anyway, he, he never attended a Pentecostal service, but in his dying days at over 90 years of age, uh, had a pamphlet from our church that said why we clap our hands and why we sing and why we pray together. My grandfather was one of these people say, I wouldn't go to that Pentecostal church. Why the minister's up there trying to say something, and all of a sudden someone says, Hallelujah! He didn't like that. He didn't want anything to do. But anyway, uh, he, he couldn't go anywhere now. He's in a bed of affliction. He's not going to live very long. And, and my mother just conveniently, now that was her father-in-law, my father's father. But my mother was helping take care of him, and she conveniently laid one of those brochures right by his bedstand. And when my grandfather had nothing else to read or nothing else to do, he picked it up, and he saw my picture, and he began to read, and then later that day, he said to my mother, Louise, he said, I understand more now about the Pentecostals than I have ever understood in all of my life. Now, if my mother wasn't such an angel, she probably would have said something back. She just simply said, well, that's wonderful, Leon. You know, she could have said you never wanted to know about them, but she didn't. She just let him read it and say, I've learned more about them today than I've ever known about them. And uh, my grandfather, my grandfather lived to respect me. He never did hear me preach, but he respected me and he would uh, show me uh, recognition and so forth. I guess he realized I wasn't wasting my life after all. If my grandfather could just uh, know all the places that I've traveled and all the people my ministry has touched and all the helpless people I've helped, probably he'd realize just how successful it has been. But you see, he couldn't think in those terms. Because he was not born again and he didn't understand the things of God. I want to say in closing tonight to somebody here, you know, there are things in life that can become such hindrances in your way. It's like a handkerchief. If, uh, if I hold this handkerchief right here, 
that's in front of my face. The only thing I can see is a little bit at my feet. I, I don't know how many steps are there. I didn't count them. I could fall down and hurt myself. Uh, but when this handkerchief is right up here in front of my eyes, that's all I can see. Sometimes our hindrances are like that. They're so close to our eyes. That's all we can see. We see just the hindrance, just the problem, just what's in the way. But you know, you just back away from that handkerchief a little bit. I can see Brother Cooper now. Yeah, yeah, I can see Sister Pat. I, I, I can even see people this way by looking underneath. I can see some people that look. I, it looks totally different when I back this away from my face. And I want to tell somebody tonight, when your hindrance is bigger than your God, something's wrong. You've got to back that away. You've got to get fervent in prayer. You've got to get down to business. You've got to touch heaven. You've got to be like that little woman with the issue of blood that says, I'm going to touch him some way, somehow. Whatever I've got to do, I'm going to touch his garment to... Yeah, that's right. That's how it needs to be for every one of us. Fervent. Fervent. You say, oh, I get to pray and, and my fears overwhelm me. Oh, take authority over those fears. Get fervent in prayer. Get fervent. When you get down to business with God, I want to tell you He wants to hear what you're wanting to talk to Him about. He wants to be right there to help you. You can stand with me tonight. we got to be desperate enough to get beyond every hindrance. And when we do so, I promise you, it's a key that will help us get answers from God. I didn't get very far tonight, but I hope that the Word of the Lord has helped somebody. I hope somebody will leave here tonight just recognizing how great your God really is. I hope somebody will leave here with the fervency tonight that I've just talked about in this Bible lesson, a key to get desperate enough to press beyond every hindrance that gets in your way. God wants to hear the cry of His children. God wants to hear you. God wants to hear me. And furthermore, God will answer us if we will use the keys that are available to us. Now, that's only two keys. There are many more. But I'm telling you tonight, put them to work. And you will receive victories from the Lord because He's a mighty God. He's a great God. He's above all gods. And every one of us can have faith in Him. Praise God. Amen, 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 amen. There is no telling what God will do. Let's all gather around this front and let's worship the Lord together before we leave this place. There is no telling what God will do if you believe. You heal your body, you save your soul. He'll wash you clean and He'll make you whole. There is no telling what God would do.
tonight if we all sing this together before we leave this place tonight there is no telling what God will do if we just believe in God and trust in God who else you're going to believe in what else you're going to put your trust in so let's all sing it everybody open up your mouth and sing unto the Lord there is no telling what God will do if you believe Thank you. 